Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for TSM Press Box. Opinions, analysis, and the occasional awkward silence. Here's your host, Jonas Siegel. Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking for a place to bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. A friend of mine once won so much money on the Super Bowl that uh, when he took the winning and bought his wife a very expensive coat inscribed in the inside of the coat were the words, thank you, John Riggin. So why don't you also play along, have some fun. From game spreads and totals to team player coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well, if that's your thing. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. One. Welcome back. Another episode, Believe in the Press Row. A uh, overcast Saturday morning, bright and early here out in Seattle. It's uh, For some, it's the worst week, one of the worst weekends of the year. Uh, no NFL football this weekend, so people are not exactly sure what to do with themselves, especially if they're homebound and uh, observing corona restrictions. I guess it's always the, uh, the get ready. It's the preparation for next Monday or the weekend after when there's really no NFL. Uh, I am pleased to be joined by a veteran sports radio host who I was fortunate to learn of back in the early 90s when I was out in Burlington, Vermont, and he was on late night sports radio. I think that's when I first heard him. And I'll, I'll tell an interesting story once I introduce him about how he and I actually first came to speak. He is on Sirius XM after being on lots of other places. He is the stereotypical, prototypical sports radio host. He is none other than Zig Fracassi. Zig, how are you? Too long, my friend. It's been a while, but always read your blog, and it's absolutely fabulous. Good to be with you again. How you doing? Yeah, it's good to see that you're you're sharing the fact that we pay all of our guests very well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so memory serves me correctly. I mean, I know the time because the year was. 1994 when I graduated and I was fortunate to get a job in sports in Detroit and I actually drove from Burlington Vermont to Detroit and I was really stupid a little a little worried of course as all college grads are a little worried about um what what customs would look like because I had a U-Haul behind my car with all my stuff to get it to my new place in Detroit so rather than drive straight, uh, you know, from Vermont down to Montreal, through Toronto, across Toronto, up to Windsor and into Detroit, which would have been the straight route, I decided I didn't want to go near customs. So I drove entirely on the American side and like down to like almost Buffalo and across oh, yeah. and then up. And I think it took me, for, I know it took me forever, but along the way, uh, I connected with your radio station and you kept me company both. First, 
on the or on the radio and then i called into the show as i as i did a couple of times That's right and we had a couple of late night chats as i seem to recall sure give us a a, a brief history of, of your entry in into the world of, of sports radio yeah and i remember those it seemed like we chatted hockey and always was uh intellectual discussion because you know as well as i do jonah sometimes Hockey isn't the preferred discussion on the radio, but my retort to that is, yeah, because you got to know something about it first. But as I digress, uh, got started in the biz. It's something I've wanted to do since I was like 12, 13 years old. And uh, long story short, I really got kind of going with this couple of friends of mine at, at the Niagara Catholic High School in Niagara Falls, revived the audiovisual program, and they asked me if I wanted to do sports. So sure enough, I started to do sports cast once or twice a week, you know, during the time I was in high school and then ultimately went to college and all that. Uh, moved away to Vegas, 1985, ultimately got on um, UNLV's radio station, did some professional work throughout. But it was around 1992, early 93. I really wanted to get into this full time. And a good friend of mine, Larry Nesty esteemed sports handicapper um, was also doing a show from Bally's uh, in Vegas. And he's like, Zig, you want to come work for me on new year's Eve night? I go, yeah, I'd love to. I go, do you make sure, you know, the program directors got this all cleared and everything It was, yeah. And then it turned out that night I had people listening, maybe where their lives were on new year's Eve while they're listening to me, they should be reveling in all this. Yet I'm getting a bunch of calls from, Niagara Falls because there was a station there in Buffalo that picked up and says, Hey, yeah, Zig's on national radio. So, uh, from that point, uh, it was the old sports entertainment network, which ultimately evolved in gosh, sporting news, uh, what I want sporting news and down the line. And then I wound up at sports fan radio network, uh, from 94 till early 2001 moved back to Buffalo because uh, I worked at the Sabres flagship up there. WNSA did pre- and post-game shows and a nightly show. And then 2004 uh, got shut down, unfortunately, because of the uh, Regis-Adelphia mess. And Sirius XM was basically in its infancy stages then. And ultimately, uh, a friend of mine who I worked with in Vegas was on NFL radio. And I says, hey, can I come work for you? And so that started off as updates a couple of days a week, evolved into some hosting. And luckily, Joe and I have been with Sirius and now XM. The merger happened in 2009. Been with the company now, gosh, 17 football seasons, 14 years full time. So I'm very blessed. Support for the Press Rose brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Hey, it's the start of the new year, so it's time to clean up. Listen, happy 21, spoiler alert, hairy nuts are still super gross. So step into the new year with the tree standing taller and shave your boys. Manscaped is here to give you a new year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The perfect package 3.0 is the below the waist grooming package you need to start your year off strong. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. So let's come out of the quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawn Mower 3.0. They even have super cool bundles. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's time to freshen up down there. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put your deodorant on your armpits, 
Why are you not deodorizing the smelliest part of your body at the same time? You'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Manscaped even threw in their travel shed bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And speaking of compression, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs that are included in the package bring your underwear game to the next level. Get 20% off and free shipping with code PRESS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the keyword PRESS, P-R-E-S-S. It's funny, you know, you look back at Sports Fan Radio Network. I, I remember hearing you and others broadcast from Vegas casinos thinking yes it's like Jimmy it was Greek a blast. it was like Jimmy Greek radio right it was like we've really evolved on the gambling side yeah. because it was although you couldn't do it everywhere legally clearly it was going on right and a good chunk of what you were doing was promoting handicapping i'm not saying you're promoting gambling but you were feeding the beast right so you're in vegas and people wanted to know the lines and who to bet fantasy wasn't a big thing just yet um and then here we are today and if you look around the landscape with gambling now becoming legal sports teams actually getting involved we've got one pro sorry two pro teams now in vegas which i imagine if i tortured you back then you would have said will never happen um it's really changed where gambling is now viewed not only as acceptable, but I think in a lot of ways as the future, uh, a, a future significant revenue stream in media and sports. Oh, without a doubt. I think it became one of these things where the leagues probably had to be content or at least assured that you wouldn't have fixing of games so I think that was part of it. And also, hey, it's like anything else, you know, the sale of marijuana, for example. If these states can get, you know, their piece of the pie, so to speak, why not get in? And and to that point, I just want to circle back to something you said. That was probably one of the main reasons, Joe, and I left Vegas was because I there was no uh, professional teams out there unless you wanted to call the Thunder, which actually were a very good IHL team, Alexi Yashin, Clint Malarchuk, uh, Patrice Lefebvre, a lot of good players came through. Don't, don't forget, don't forget Manon Rayum. Manon, precisely. There you go. And I went to those games uh, quite often. Um, although you got to give the legendary mayor, and I've known the guy a lot of years, Oscar Goodman, credit for putting that call into Gary Bettman around 1999, 2000, basically saying, hey, Vegas can be a really good hockey town, which it is. It, it was surprising to me because there's a lot of transplanted Easterners there. You know, I'd be at the book or whatever, and they're they're watching Detroit and Chicago on the big screens and what have you. So I thought there was an appetite for it. And then obviously years later when uh, while Bill Foley came to town, you know, and basically got this going now, I mean, you couldn't get a ticket for their games. And unfortunately now you can't, you can't because of, you know, COVID, but I'm saying the, the rabid interest. And then ultimately Mark Davis saw what was going on there in Vegas. And now they got the playpen Allegiant stadium right there, right off the strip. They're going to wind up getting, I think an NBA and or major league baseball team there, Jonah, because uh, they have the summer league there. And I think they realized, Hey, we can make money off of this. And then ultimately baseball, 
They got a state-of-the-art stadium there, from what I understand, and the A's are their AAA team. So uh, it, it the times really have changed, and I think, again, because gambling's so mainstream now, and, you know, let's face it, it was going on just now that it's legalized and everyone gets their share of the coin instead of just certain entities. You know, it's interesting. I'll disagree with you. I'll say that I don't think they'll get baseball just because of climate. Uh, Vegas, yeah. Vegas in the Good summer, point. Vegas in the summer is, does not scream of let's sit outside and, uh, <laughs> eat a dog and Cracker Jacks. Um, in 115. You know. Yeah, exactly. With, with, and, and they'd have to and, get a dome. They would. And I, I, anyways, I'll tell you what I do believe. I fundamentally believe that, uh, the next greatest thing than the ability to use a printing press to create currency is owning an NFL team in Las Vegas, because when this, when this thing is over home games in Las Vegas are going to be, you know, the apple of every sports fan's eye when their team goes to Las Vegas. So When the Giants, when the Jets, when whomever, the Seahawks, the Patriots, folks don't need an added incentive to go to Vegas for the weekend. Their team playing in Vegas, you know, to go Thursday night to catch a Sunday game, the only downside will be having to stay over that Sunday night, you know, because you won't be able to get home unless you catch a red eye. But that will be the easiest ticket in the world to sell would be the Las Vegas football team. Um, because the, the visiting team is going to, the, the scalpers or whomever are going to clean up because visiting teams are going to want a massive demand on those tickets. Oh, absolutely. And let's not forget too. You probably got like, if the bears were coming out there, how many transplant Chicago wins? I, I know for a fact, my, you know, my brother and my, my uh, niece, they were asking because they're from Buffalo and the bills played out there this year. I guarantee you there would have been at least 30,000 ex-Western New Yorkers there uh, at Allegiant Stadium. So you've got that factor, too. But you're absolutely right. I think once, you know, and then the casinos get in, maybe offer, you know, those packages as part of long weekends. Sure. Once this is over, uh, I think Mark Davis has a cash cow there with the Vegas Raiders. Agreed. So so let's swing back for a second because uh, – for those who, who don't remember, Sports Fan Radio Network, if you look at, at the list of characters that were on that bad boy, <laughs> it is it is really um, the who's who of sports radio. Um, you know, let, let's start with the queen, if you will, with the fabulous sports babe uh, who got her start, who got her start there, didn't end up there. Um, but, you know, Scotty Farrell, um, you know, Scott Kaplan, the sports pig, Craig Carlton, uh, Craig Carton, I should say, um, a lot of big, big name. Mad, uh, Mad Dog got a start there, I believe. Um, it, no, it's pretty not Chris. No, Chris never did. No. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. He, he was, uh, was Bruce, Shine, on... Bruce, Bruce Shine who produced yeah. his show. That, that's yes, right. Yes, yes. But there, there were some really big names. JT the Brick, I believe. Like it was. The who's who, if you will, of uh, of sports radio back in the day. I mean, they were big names then, but if you're into or interested in, in sports media at all, it really was the who's who. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And that was I, – I got there, I think it was October, November of 1994 after I had been uh, let go from um, uh, one-on-one, which had bought yeah. out SEN, and then they moved it to Chicago and – 
Never forget uh, meeting Rich Bond in the hotel room and said, Zig, we're not moving you. But, you know, maybe it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Um, when I started there, Jonah, Howard Balzer, of course, the venerable Howard Balzer from Pro Football Weekly and uh, ESPN NFL Draft. I worked with him for a while. Uh, man, Mike Woodley was a talent. Uh, and then as it started to evolve, we brought in Pete Rose, I think. We all remember him, Pete Rose in the yeah. ballpark cafe down in Boca Raton, Florida. I did updates and actually co-hosted with him a few times. You mentioned, of course, uh, the sports pig, God rest his soul. Mike response, always uh, good for controversy, always good for hell. We'd go out to dinner, for example, and uh, the bill would be $80. And he says, hey, Frank, I paid your bill, you know, and I says, Mike, it was $65, your bill. I mean, give me a break for goodness <laughs> sake. So he, he lived large and God, we, we all miss him. Uh, JT, the brick, dear friend of mine. I mentored him when he started on that channel. Um, in fact, he's doing very well now on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82. Uh, the names go on and on. Chuck Powell, we were talking about him before we yep, started. He's, today. he's up in your neck of the woods. Yep. Uh, Rob Fisher. Uh, talented uh, now who's the uh, Memphis Grizzlies sideline reporter for television uh, worked with him. And yeah, I mean, um, some of the other names you mentioned, I think the sports, uh, the fabulous sports babe, she came along. I think, I think that was after the ESPN. I mean, there's, there's so much overlap there. I, I think I did a show with her once or twice. Scotty Kaplan's out in San Diego. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, maybe we weren't acclaimed like WFAN or WEEI, but boy, we put out some really, really good product. Pharrell, I've worked with him, like got three different incarnations and uh, he's still kicking ass with that sports grid radio now. So uh, there's some very good times. And I'll tell you what, I felt like, you know, last man standing when ultimately, unfortunately, we were shut down in 2001 and I was proud to be part of that legacy. It was really good radio, which I don't think Jonah has really gotten the props. It probably deserved, but looking back rec retrospectively, like you just did, I think it, it says the, we did put out a lot of good programming and uh, we were heard in quite a few places. So, so you said something interesting there that I picked up on that, that I have to dive into. And that is, so in, in, in my, in my mind, you were a Las Vegas casino sports radio host uh talking about the jimmy greek gambling if you will and at the time you were known as frank andrews <laughs> and, and all of a sudden frank andrews disappears and i find you one night on a late night radio somewhere as zig fracassi and i was like did the guy go into like the witness but like did he did he did he give a bad pick yeah. like like <laughs> Like, how does a guy who has a national sports radio show? Now, I know it's Vegas. I know it's overnight. Like, did he like, did he come out against Jimmy the Greek? Protection. Like, well, why the name change? Like, you just mentioned that you were in, you're out for dinner and somebody called you Frank and tell the story. So it's an interesting story about how you've had multiple radio personas. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I must have gave a bad tip, so I was in witness protection. Huh? <laughs> what what happened is obviously. My, my nickname is Zig. My late great mom gave me that nickname when I was three years old, and it stuck with me through grade school, high school. And I remember getting introduced first day of class, the teacher would say, do any of you have nicknames? And before I could even answer, they would say, yeah, he's Zig. And it just stuck with me. And of course, for Kasi's my real 
last name. So uh, after the sports entertainment one-on-one gig, I went over to sports fan and they were very nice to me and all this. And they said, we love your work, but we prefer you change your name because I guess there was some uh, sort of belief. They didn't want to hire other networks people. That was the answer I was given. So they basically, Jonah wanted me to change my name. I'm like, well, geez, that's, this is kind of weird, but you know what? At the point I need the money. I mean, I'm only working part-time Gosh, I was at the Sands, I think, at that time, the old Sands Racing Sportsbook, uh, writing tickets and all that. And um, happened to be talking to my brother. And then just during the end of the conversation, it kind of dawned on my head. I says, wait a minute, I got to change my name. So his name is Frank, and his middle name is Andrew. So all I did was I pluralized the Andrew to Andrews, and that, hence, Frank Andrews was born. So it's essentially, I used my brother's name all those years on sports fan radio, is what it turned out to be. Did you know there's actually now a Frank Andrews in the business of sports radio? Is there really? Well, I'm Googling it now, and there, there's a guy, at, there's a radio station called WILK News Radio, and there's a dude named Frank Andrews. Good for him. <laughs> Keep up the legacy. <laughs> you you paved the way. That is unbelievable. Could you imagine in the year 2021, some some poor soul, male or female, you know, getting a, a radio gig and going, uh, y- y- there's only one condition of you taking this job. We need you to change your name. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing how the world has changed. You know, it, it's interesting. I can see your your television in the background. You've got hockey on, which is oh yeah. As a Canadian, always good to see. You said you grew up in the Niagara Buffalo area. How does a a Buffalo uh, resident, if you will, um, become a Boston Bruins fan? Oh, you you're that's right. You know me too well. Um, uh, there are a couple of factors in that. One, I think it was. There was kind of a mentality in that area, and it's a great area to be from. Jonah, we saw, obviously, Bill's Mafia and all this this year, and there's a great fan base, but there's also kind of this, you know, the refs were, or they were lucky. We were robbed. The refs hate Buffalo. And I, even as a kid, I'm like, wait a minute. You just got beat. You're playing Boston or Montreal 7-2, to and you just get destroyed, and there's this philosophy. And I'm like, I can't do this. So one time, early 70s, I'm watching the the Bruins destroy the Sabres on television. And I remember asking my brother, I'm like, who's number four on Boston? Of course, Bobby Orr, and that was it. And ever since that point, loved the black and gold uniforms. Uh, they were a team that people in Buffalo largely couldn't stand, so I liked that aspect of it. And it turns out there's actually quite a few Bruins fans in Western New York because the Jacobs family that owns them are from Buffalo. So there, there was an interesting storyline there. And then, gosh, you know, you, you always believe this when you're a kid, Jonah, that your team should make the playoffs every year. Well, when I was growing up, the Bruins made the playoffs every year. So finally, like 97, you'd have thought my world ended. That was the year they bottomed out, and then they ultimately wound up with Joe Thornton as the top overall pick. So ever since then, though, I, I just – there was something about the way they played. They they didn't get that moniker, the big bad Bruins, for nothing. 
because they were skilled, but boy, they'd fight you to no end. They played a tough type of brand of hockey. And then now to this day, I, I, you know, they've had a really good run the last decade or so, a Stanley cup, three appearances in the final, you know, two president's trophies and all this. So there's just something about it, the way they played and, and the legends that that went through that organization. Happy to be a Boston Bruins fan. Hey, sports media fans, with the new year comes tons of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit kansascitystakes.com slash game day. Save up to $25 on combos. Perfect for game day. Plus, get free shipping with code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Try out the snack pack combo featuring small plates with big flavor. Mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melt, shrimp wrapped in bacon. Every order is flash frozen, delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically every cut of steak imaginable, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, that's go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day. Use code Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. Well, happy to have you talk about yesteryear with the Bruins. Modern era as a Maple Leaf fan, not oh. so much. Um, we won't you know. mention 2013, <laughs> Game 7. Um, yeah, if that was the only thing you didn't have to mention, that would be fine. Um, how surprised were you then as a, as a media member, an avid hockey fan, and Bruins fan about the Zdeno Chara situation this offseason? Not at all. In fact, Joe and I was probably one of the few that said they should have made the move earlier. Um, listen, there has to be sort of this point, like I, and this is something like even Bill Belichick did, you know, pre Tom Brady, of course, but there were guys like Richard Seymour and that who probably still had a value or good years left, but sometimes you got to move somebody a year early before it's a year too late. Uh, quite honestly, I, I think the Bruins have been looking at this day that, you know, last year, yeah, he was pretty good. He had a plus 26, but in that series against Tampa, he was just badly overmatched. They were skating rings around him, and he looked finally like he was 43 years old. And there comes a time when I, and I honestly think this, they, they liked Jeremy Lozon quite a bit. Uh, Zaboro, first round pick. Everybody says he's a bust. Well, because he didn't break into the NHL and be a superstar right away, so he's automatically a bust. But maybe, just maybe, Don Sweeney and John Ferguson Jr., Jamie Langenbrunner, and all those guys with the Bruins kind of know what they're doing, so they let this kid develop a little bit. So, yeah, and they thought, too, McAvoy, this is his blue line now. So long answer to your question. I think it was it was time to move on. Now, I'm sure what they did, Jonah, was offer him a mentorship role and say, hey, you're going to be our seventh defenseman. You might play every other game. Or, you know, out of 56, you might play half, whatever the case may be. But Chara, being the proud warrior that he is, says, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself. And, yeah, I'll leave Boston where I've got my legacy and all this. So it goes down to Washington and he's made a great impact so far because the Caps look good. Those are the key words, though, so far. But again, and they play tonight, by the way. This is the first time uh, they'll be facing each other since the move was made. So 
He's a Hall of Famer. He'll have his moment at the TD Garden. They'll put 33 up in the rafters. But it was time. Bruins have some young bucks they need to try out. And so far, so good. Looks like they haven't missed a beat. Meanwhile, the Sabres, I mean, our sports fans in Buffalo, my, my sense from afar is that with the ownership group, notwithstanding um, notwithstanding the, the Bills' recent success, right. that ownership group that owns both teams, um, yep. yeah, they, they were taking it on the chin, probably deservedly so, until the Bills turned the corner. Sabre fans thinking, what about us? Because it's been a tough slog. It has. Yeah, it has, definitely. It's been, what, gosh, a... Uh decade since they last made the playoffs and you know Boston took them out pretty easy in that series and just a, a game in that series almost changed the landscape when Lucic ran Ryan Miller I don't know if you remember that particular incident of course but, the, but there was no response from Buffalo and you could say this Jonah metaphorically the Sabres have not been the same since then because ultimately they moved on from Lindy Ruff who Ironically, he's coaching there today uh, with the New Jersey Devils. Darcy Regeer, longtime GM, they moved on from that. And it's not like they didn't try. I mean, they, they made some splashy, you know, free agent acquisitions that just didn't work out. Matt Molson, uh, Kyle Oposo, unfortunately with Kyle, it's been health-related issues. Um, so now you think you have the right coach in Kruger, who everybody seems to like. Kevin Adams, who I've known a little bit, sharp guy from Clarence, former Bruins first-round pick, by the way, uh, who won a Stanley Cup with Carolina. He's a Clarence uh, native, which is a suburb of Buffalo. So sharp guy, and, you know, they seem like they've hit a home run with this uh, Dylan Cousins kid who was from Team Canada. They, they've upgraded the talent. Obviously, you got Eichel with uh, Taylor Hall now. Whether he stays long-term remains to be seen. But they still have issues, I think, with defense and with the goaltending. Although, gosh, feel bad for Omark, who recently lost his dad. So, uh, prayers and thoughts to that family. But I think it's been slower progress with the Sabres. I think they're starting to make some inroads. But it took time with them. Whereas with the Bills, they hit a grand slam, as far as I'm concerned, with Brandon Bean as the GM and Sean McDermott as the head coach. And they drafted a culture. There's that overused word, Jonah, but they drafted a culture of players that really gave, you know, you know what about each other. And they made it to the championship game. They still need to evolve. But I think the Sabres are coming around, but they're not quite there with the Bills. And, yes, you're right. The, the Pagulas have taken heat more for the Sabres and I think maybe actually praise for the Bills. So when I used to listen to you a lot, the shows were very caller centric. Yes. Um, I give a ton of credit to hosts who take calls. Um, it's not easy. Um, no, it isn't. You know, first of all, nobody's in their car anymore. So call radio right now is, is difficult. Um, but, but, but admittedly, it takes a special type of person, special in quotation marks, to sit on hold typically as long as you need to, to sit 
back in the day, if they were on a car phone, we actually used to count our cell minutes. So sitting on hold. (laughs) And I remember radio stations, if you do actually advertising that calls to the station or on the 800 number were, you know, minute free, if you will, they weren't going to be counted against your minutes. Absolutely. But let's call the spade a spade, right? And I'm not asking, I'll I'll say it so you don't have to, but you get a lot of loons out there who, who, who simply just want to hear their voice and what comes out of their mouth, be it, you know, one of those words that you're not allowed to say that you have to bleep out or just, you know, something outrageous to get you to react. Um, It's evolved again, I think. Are you taking a lot of calls these days on radio or not so much? We, we get a fair amount, and maybe it's because what we do at SiriusXM, at least on the NFL channel and that, it's a pay. You have to pay to hear us. So I don't want to say it's a better brand of call, but I do know we cater to a lot of truckers, which are the lifeline of uh, – and a lot of them, Jonah, are real sharp in terms of football. They're, they're telling me things. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't even think about that. So it's a good brand of call. We get a fair amount. Um but also, I think since uh, I've been started, I've started in this business. Now you got Twitter and other social media programs. You can actually, you know, engage your listener that way. Like jo- Jonah writes in, "What do you think the Lions should do with Stafford?" And then I could say it on the air while typing my response. They will trade him to Team X for this compensation. So. That's changed. We get, but to answer your question, we get a fair amount of calls, but I think now because of social media platforms, the interaction has changed. Um, that's an interesting point. And maybe you can't answer this. Maybe this is an unfair question. When you're at a subscriber network like you are now, mm-hmm. and they know exactly how many people are subscribed, uh, thank you, Howard Stern. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'll admit it, like I'm a subscriber. Uh, I love the service um, because I used to travel a lot and I'd get rental cars and would spend quite a bit of time in the car. And to me, to me, XM radio is the Starbucks of radio. And that is no matter where I am, I can listen to what I want, who I want. Serious XM, Jonah, let's get it. That's right. right. No, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Serious XM. I am a subscriber. I appreciate it. Um, Reporting, analytics, a lot of times caller, callers verify audience because the, the old traditional system sucks both sides of the border. But if you're a program director or you're a sales manager, um, you can say between X and X hours, we're taking Y number of calls, ergo people in your demographic are listening. It's a good, easy uh, is that an issue at, at satellite? Like are, are ratings, those types of things, the same as that terrestrial radio, when you meet with management and they talk about your show, I, I would imagine ratings do come up, uh, and audience growth and all that. Are they looking at the same type of metrics or is it different because it's subscriber based? I, to be honest with you, I, I can't answer that question. Um, because obviously that's something beyond, you know, in terms you mentioned subscribers obviously that's to me i would think that might be the most important thing because we just focus more on 
the content. I'm not trying to dodge the question, so I really don't know the answer to gotcha. that. I just, okay. Yeah, but okay, but yeah, it's important though. Let's let's face it, you know. But I've always been, you know, a content guy, and I try to get out what I believe is important to that particular day, and hopefully the response is there. That I would leave it at that. I would hope the response is definitely there, but I can't answer your question. So. I'll say this. Listen, you don't need to hear it from me. You don't do what you do for as long as you do it if you don't do it well. Uh, there is always somebody younger who can do it cheaper uh, otherwise. So to get somebody, even if you are the proverbial cleanup hitter that can always come in and take a shift whenever, wherever, mm-hmm. um, they could find somebody else to do that. And uh, we go from there. Um how different is it with audience on, on XM versus terrestrial or, or not at all? Radio's radios, put you in front of a mic. You don't care. I I've always approached it the same, you know, people who want to hear my opinion, I'm grateful for, I try to be as educated as possible. Um, again, I, I think now more than ever, and, and maybe because it's a satellite brand. And I mentioned this earlier that people pay to hear us, uh, it's a different kind of call. And I'm telling you, we get people that call into NFL radio and I'm like, wow, these people are sharp. They really know their, their, their stuff. And I think that's probably because we educate them so well. We've got so many different, you know, former GMs, coaches, even players who've done this. So we educate them and now they turn that around and saying, well, if you said this or that, then why wouldn't it pertain to this possible move or draft pick or whatever? And so I, I would say from our standpoint, Jonah, the quality of the call is largely very good because they, I think we've got a brighter audience uh, tuned in, you know, than maybe in years past. Would you say, and I know you primarily do an NFL and some NHL, would you say that's across the board? Or is it strictly NFL? In terms of what the call interaction, or no, the call quality. You're saying that the, oh, the, call the, call, the, call, the callers are smarter; they're more educated. The stuff they know is is of deeper value. That you know, yeah, they yeah. pay more attention. Is that broad? Like, if you filled in on a baseball show, do you think it's the same, or is it really the NFL fan? I'll listen to NHL radio, Peter Burson, Mick Perkern, and all those great guys. Scotty Laughlin up in Toronto do a fabulous job. They get a good quality of call. Um, I listen a little bit to the basketball. They know what they're talking about. So my answer to that would be, yeah, it's a better brand of call because the forum is different, and I honestly believe that the the people who who want to you know participate, like you talked about earlier, Maybe back in the day, oh, hey, I, I was just heard on radio, even if I'm a goof. It's not like that anymore. So I would say on, on the different platforms, uh, largely intelligent interaction between the host and the caller. So I'll let you uh, take a sip of water there and exhale. Um, let's pivot a little bit into, into some football talk as we, as we head into uh, the, the NFL Super Bowl week. I see last night that some some somebody laid a two point three million dollar bet on the Bucks to win two million. Must be nice. 
Um, I, <laughs> bucks I was thinking on if, the bucks. Yeah, I, I was thinking if you bet two point three million, like you're going to win forty. But you know, <laughs> silly me. Um, before we talk about Super Bowl, I have an interesting question, and, and you mentioned his name, so I'm going to circle back to it. A lot of rumor this morning, or talk this morning, actually confirmed because it's from the coach himself on a Matthew Stafford trade being imminent. Yes. Are you, su- are you surprised that as we sit here on January 30th, that the trade of a guy like that would happen now and not officially in the off season, if you will? No, because I think because of COVID and everything that's gone on this year, there's probably been sort of the unwritten rule of, you know, let's wait till after the season to announce this. We don't want anything to hijack or upstage the Super Bowl, but times are different now. And I think they, you know, in Detroit, they got to realize, hey, the draft is coming up. So what do we do? And in this particular case with Matthew Stafford, I, I'm not surprised he's asked out. This is what, 12 years he's been in the league now. And, uh, you know, maybe one or two or three appearances in the playoffs. But the bottom line is, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. And the fact that they've pretty much said that in Detroit it's going to be a rebuild, I'm not surprised it's out there at all. Now, where he winds up, there's been a lot of speculation. It could be San Francisco. Could it be, you know, another of these places that they could use a quarterback? You know, like, well, Jacksonville is bad because he would be in another rebuilding situation there. I'm not even sure Urban Meyer would want him as opposed to, you know, drafting Trevor Lawrence and grooming him that way. But there will be a market for Matthew Stafford because he still has two years left on his contract, which averages, I think, 23 mil a year, which is actually pretty, I hate to use the term bargain rate, but compared to some of these deals that have been handed out, it's very economical for a team to take him on. Uh, I would look for this probably to happen probably within the next few days. And let's not forget, too, Jonah, because of the, Super Bowl and with COVID and everything like that, it's not going to be your normal, you know, let's interview on Monday and Tuesday and all that. I think the Chiefs aren't even getting down to Tampa until the day before the game. So is that right? I was I wondering believe, about that. Yeah, I believe so. Because now because of COVID and all this, there's the different uh, travel protocols and everything along those lines. So yeah, the Chiefs probably not. This is probably like a normal week for them. You know, if you think about it, just flying for the game and leave out but uh back to Stafford I I would anticipate something probably happening in the next few days because you also got you know the considerations to the 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 new league year will be starting in the next couple of months teams got to figure out budgets and also to get under the cap and where you'd have to fit Matthew Stafford in so yeah probably within the next maybe couple weeks if not sooner Matthew Stafford will be the next Detroit Lion as I grew up I, I remember vividly going to leaf games or blue jay games we didn't have raptors at the time and hating on the best gretzky would come to town and all you wanted to do is see the guy fail um even though he grew up near there a hundred percent right like he would touch the puck in toronto he'd get booed it was just you know it's and i think that tradition carries on and and maybe it's just me as i've aged i'm not going to say matured um, <laughs> I, I find myself rooting heavily actually for Tom Brady. Um, I do too. mostly because I think 
we we are seeing something that will probably I don't want to say never, but we're not going to see for a long time. Uh, you know the numbers better than me, but holy hell, like this guy's been to more Super Bowls than well, certainly Matthew Stafford's never been to the playoffs. I don't believe like like it or very few. Just talking opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm not comparing the two of them, but what this guy do- has done. Um, people are saying it's still debatable whether he's the greatest of all time. Like, are you kidding me? Like I got to see Montana. Uh, I got to see Marino. I saw Brett Favre. Um, you know, I saw Staubach live, all of them. Um, what this guy has done, especially in the, in the era that we're in today is, is I, I hate the words once in a lifetime, but it's there, but still there are people who hate him. Do you think that that hate is the same that I had for Gretzky when he came to Toronto? Like, is, is that it? Or is there some, is there just inherent jealousy? I, I think it's probably the same as it was with, with Gretzky because you knew he was better than everybody and you knew your team didn't have him. So there's always that inkling to hate you know, using your word there or strongly dislike, however you want to word it, because yeah. you knew he was better than everybody else and your team didn't have him. It's just simple as that. Uh, with Brady, I, I think there's probably jealousy, Jonah, because one, he's married to maybe one of the most beautiful women that there is in Giselle. He's got this idyllic family. He's even, you know, even had that, son out of that relationship with his previous girlfriend and he's been the model father for that and i think maybe that rankles people the wrong way because hell he's even a great dad to you know his his younger son there but to the fact that he could have retired walked off in the sunset with the six super bowl wins probably got more money than you and i'll ever see in our lifetimes and all the accomplishment but he says, no, in some ways, it's a little like Chara in a way. I want to prove myself again, even though I know I'm top shelf. So let's go to a team like Tampa that really has no discernible history other than one Super Bowl championship. Let me impose my will on that organization. Let me upgrade, help upgrade the talent base around there. Give that team, if you will, some street cred. And there were games this year he didn't look very good. He looked like he was 43. He didn't look great in the second half of the NFC Championship game last week, but largely looked like he was still Tom Brady. And that aura has given the, what I would say, perennially nondescript Buccaneers a shot of legitimacy. Plus, I'm a big Arians fan, too. Anyone would want to play for him. So the fact that he had something to prove to himself and he's gotten this team this far and also now the first team to truly host a Super Bowl. Just another distinction in a life of distinctions for Tom Brady. There is a, a line of thinking out there that I've heard in multiple places that the team's success in the second half was a result of him saying, we've tried it your way. We're now going to try it mine. Um. Yeah. Do you, do you subscribe to that a little bit? I think so. I, I think there was uh, at least, you know, a little bit of a bumpy road there between 
Arians and Tom Brady and even Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator. How, how interesting is that, that his boss, if you will, is a guy that was drafted three years after him in Leftwich, <laughs> who actually, you know, he wasn't a bad quarterback uh, himself. And I think he's going to be a uh, bright candidate to, for a head coaching job somewhere. But, you know, there's always going to be that bump in the road. Let's not forget, too, Jonah, there were no preseason games. There were no, there was not training camp like you and I and everyone else basically would know it. So all the things that you would think would be ironed out by the first couple of games, you're still going into week six, week seven, and still trying to iron all this stuff out. Then when they got on their run towards the end of the season, then it looked like they were clicking. And then what ultimately ripped eight straight wins in a row away from home and beating some good teams, you exercise your demons against the Saints, who beat you twice in the regular season. And then you go up to Lambeau as the historically warm-weather team can't play the cold-weather team. Well, they, they beat the cold-weather team and their quarterback up there at Lambeau. So it, it just goes to show the, the power Tom Brady has. And he always tries to be the team guy, too. So he's got the cachet, but I think he tries to blend in as one of the guys, which I think makes... Guys want to play with him because he's got that aura about him. Both uh, fans and players have the hate for exhibition games in common. Um, Fans hate it. Sorry. Paying fans hate it because it feels like an obnoxious cash grab where you're, you're paying regular season price for, you know, one set of downs by, Tom Brady or somebody players hate it. Cause there's risk of injury and they have to go through the, the, uh, they have to go through the motions, if you will. COVID has wiped that out almost in, I think in every league. Um, do you think we all get what we hope for and post COVID it's minimized finally. And, and, uh, cause they seem to be doing okay in all the leagues without it. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think from a coach's standpoint, you would like to have all the preseason time that you could because obviously you got new players, new positions. But if you're going to be relying a lot on a lot of veterans, then maybe a, you know, maybe one preseason game might be enough. And, and at least for the NFL, Jonah. You, you can also have these scrimmages. Remember, the Patriots were notorious, right. not notorious, but famous for doing that, you know, scrimmaging the Titans or whoever yep. it was. So you might see more of that. So, uh, but I think largely from a preservation standpoint, if you're the players, especially ones that are going to make the team, you don't need a whole lot of work. You know what you're doing. You're keeping, the, you know, in shape in the offseason. But for the younger guys who need to learn, that's where it could come in. But I think there's could be a happy medium with both. So typically the national audience, if you will, only wants a good game, a close game. It seems the line seems to think it's going to go there. I think it's around three, three and a half. And the line is usually fairly accurate. Yes, they are. So let's in leaving, let's uh, let's hear the zig predictions. What, what are you thinking? What are you looking for? What are you hoping to see in the big game? Wow. Well, if it's like the first meeting, it'll come right down to the wire. Kansas City won that uh, 27-24 back in late November, 
and a tip to the Bucks. You might want to cover Tyreek Hill a little bit better this time. I mean, he had, I think it was over 200 yards in the first half alone. Um, obviously, Mahomes has got such a brilliant future in this league, and he, they're a treat to watch. Kelsey, I think, is the best tight end in the game. They've got so many weapons on that Kansas City team, but boy, having that first team to be the true host in the Super Bowl and the greatest quarterback of all time, and I got to think Brady's going to be looking at this. Yeah, Mahomes got me in the regular season, but I'm going to get him this time around. It wouldn't shock me, obviously, if Kansas City wins the game, but I think Tampa especially if they're able to get that ground game going a little bit and maybe hold the ball and slow Mahomes down on the other side. Uh, if they're able to do that and Brady mixes in the pass like he does and Gronk figures to be a, a factor, I think Tampa gets this this year. And again, that would be the ultimate crown to the legend of Tom Brady. So I'm going to go with the Bucks at at home, nonetheless, to pull off this Super Bowl. All right, last question then. Chicken egg, the football version is Brady Belichick. If Brady wins this, yes, is there I, any is there any tarnish on Belichick? No. Do people look at Belichick and say, I mean, "There's how many times have, have you and I heard this? Put Dan Marino on the San Francisco on the Niners, he wins a gazillion. You know, take this guy and put him on that team." So there's a lot of people who believed you know, put anybody else into that system and Belichick would have turned them into a champion. So there's always been the debate as to who, you know, is it peanut butter and chocolate or is it one pull and the other? <laughs> I would imagine that if, if, if Brady wins, there are those who are going to say, oh, so it was more Brady than Belichick. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I would also answer this too, that Belichick also has a couple Super Bowl rings with the Giants as defensive coordinator. Uh, I would also argue that Belichick is the master in terms of teaching his team fundamentals, in terms of knowing the rules, in terms of being presentable. He, there were games this year, Jonah, that New England probably should have won if they had a better quarterback. I mean, they were a largely competitive team. I remember all the opt-outs that they had. But to answer your question, I think they were perfect for each other. Because Belichick was the guy that could get the best out of Tom. but And you also saw that Belichick actually handed the keys to Brady, you know, around 2008, 2009, when the Patriots evolved from this running game defensive team. So you bring in Randy Moss, you had Aaron Hernandez, ultimately with Gronk. They were a machine on earth offensively. And if the coach doesn't trust the quarterback to do that, then there's something lost. I think they were perfect for each other. Belichick's still, to me, arguably the greatest coach of all time because you still have 52 other guys to coach. You got all your media stuff and everything like that. So uh, now if the Patriots don't start drafting better and get that quarterback, then he may start to lose a little bit off the fastball. But to answer your question, I think they were perfect for each other. And I think it would be unfair to say, oh, it was Brady over Belichick all that time or vice versa. He is Zig Fricasi. He was once Frank Andrews. <laughs> you can hear him on Sirius XM NFL radio, Sirius XM sports. 
and at times serious XM NHL. He's been doing it a long time. He gets great guests. He has awesome insights. Apparently his, his trucker audience is notoriously strong. Uh, cannot thank you enough, Zig. We, we have not talked in a very, very long time. I will be sure to try and correct that by having you back in, in the press row. Thank you for your time and uh, hope you have a great Super Bowl week and you and your family continue to stay healthy uh, during these beyond bizarre times. God bless, Jonah, and always good to be with you. It's been way too long since we had our little hockey chats late at night, but always enjoyed it. And again, keep up the outstanding work and your insights into the Canadian media. Read that all the time on your uh, the Twitter feed and everything like that. So you do the same, my friend. Thanks, Zig. Take it easy. Be well. You too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.